0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 94 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am not joined by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. He is still down in Mexico, having a nice vacation, trying to get away from the busy grind of the baseball season. He should be back before too long. But we had such a positive response from him on our last episode, we decided to bring him back once again. Our good friend, Isaac Bass, an passionate Toronto sports fan. Welcome back to the show.
1: Great to be back. I'm sure you'll call me Riley a few times again this episode. (laughs) So, uh, you know what? Just call me Riley. It is what it is.
0: It's all good. Today on the show, we do have a lot to get to. The Blue Jays are victorious in their first trip to the Bronx this year. Our first series against the Yankees was a successful one, taking two out of the three against the Bombers. And we got a lot of storylines to talk about in this one, including Vladdy finding his power stroke, massive pitching performances from Gosman, Manoa, and Kikuchi. And there was so much more to get to. But first guys, remember our show is free and we're available on all platforms. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And if you're listening to us in podcast land, five stars, Download and share all that fun stuff, and you can subscribe to the show on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram as well. But enough fortalities, Isaac. Let's get into our game recaps here. Game one, the Blue Jays won this game 6-1. to one. This was the Apple TV game. Jace set the tone early in this game with a leadoff double by George Springer, and Vladdy quickly followed with a two-run home run. Kikuchi gave up a Yankee Stadium special home run in the bottom of the second, but that was it as he was solid, and Brandon Belt had two hits and four RBIs, including his first home run as the Blue Jays. We're able to win this game with Trevor Richards, Jimmy Garcia, and Eric Swanson holding the door out of the pen. Game two, the Jays lost this game three to two, and this was a great pitcher's duel. Alec Manoa looked like he was back to normal in this one. Seven innings pitch, no earned runs, two hits, one walk, five strikeouts. The Blue Jays had base runners on all game, but they went 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position and could not find a clutch hit. Jimmy Garcia gave up a single and then a two-run home run to Anthony Volpe in the eighth. before Danny Jansen made things interesting, hitting a pinch hit, two-run home run in the ninth, but Jordan Romano ran into a lot of trouble in the bottom half, phase four batters, didn't get an out, and ultimately the Blue Jays were walked off thanks to DJ LeMahieu. And Game 3, the game that happened just this afternoon, the Jays won this game 5-1. to one. Kevin Gosman was dominant in this one. Seven innings pitch, no walks, 11 strikeouts. Game was scoreless until the 6th when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a two-run home run, followed by Dalton Varsho getting his second home run of the season as the Blue Jays go back-to-back for the first time this year. Whit Merrifield and Danny Jansen had back-to-back doubles in the 7th for another run, and the Jays cruise to a relatively easy victory here. So after the series, the Jays record stands at 13 and nine. We're third place in the AL East, six games back of the 19 and three Tampa Bay Rays. So a lot of talking points in this one, Isaac, where do you want to go first?
1: Let's start with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., our star player, the mm-hmm. guy. I know you want to talk about, uh, you know, his comments that he's made repeatedly in the offseason season, season prior. And then once again, just saying, uh, you probably have the exact quote there if you want to, Shoot, shoot it out.
0: Yeah, so in the offseason, Vladdy was saying I, something along the lines of, like, I wouldn't be found dead uh, playing in Yankee Stadium. And he repeated those comments going into the series today. I'm going to give you a timeline here, Isaac. 5.45 p.m., about an hour and 15 minutes before our first pitch. Vladdy was asked to clarify more on those comments, and he said some some long lines of, I don't know the exact quote, but it's a personal reason. I won't expand on that anymore, but I will never play with the Yankees. These are things that Ken Griffey Jr. said a lot during his MLB playing career as well. Hey, some people just hate the Yankees, and I'm glad Vladimir Guerrero was part of that. Let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go an hour and a half later, 7, 11 p.m. Vladimir Guerrero cranks a two-run home run at Yankee Stadium. And to go along with that now, Vladdy has 12 career home runs at Yankee Stadium. His 607 slugging percentage at the stadium is now the second highest in MLB history, behind only Aaron Judge who plays half his home games at Yankee Stadium. And I want to say with Vladdy too. He also got hit by a pitch. There is a big rivalry brewing here, I think between Vladimir Guerrero and the Blue, and the New York Yankees with the fans like booing him when he's at the plate, when he's booing him when he does his home run trot. And he got hit by that pitch in game 1 and him and Anthony Rizzo are jawing at each other when he's running up the line. There is a big storyline and there is something big I think building here between Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and the Yankees.
1: I think what's nice to see is it's not just Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like there's some for the first time in a long time, I think we are kind of like the Yankees' biggest competition mm-hmm. um, in the division. Granted, Tampa Bay is killing it so far this year, but like, it's one of those things where you like that you saw what happened when Anthony Volpe. Granted, he's like from New Jersey or whatever, and blah blah blah. We don't like him, but uh, everyone was talking about how great a story it was. He hits a home run, you know, put him up sure. after like them being shut down, and then they're like, it's so funny too because everyone in the Yankees dug, was just like treating it like it's the world series. And I remember last year <laughs> when Vladimir Guerrero caught that uh, ball at first base and I like, did the big fist pump and everything. And they every yeah. Yankee fans were like, you're treating it like the world series. Congrats, blah, blah. And i was just watching them doing the exact same mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can tell the Yankees really want to beat us. And you can tell the blue Jays really want to beat the Yankees, which is good to see. And what's even better. And this might segue a little bit into like our pitchers, is that's like a higher clutch, like higher stakes few games. And what was the issue last year in the playoffs, which is all that really matters, is our pitchers weren't clutch. right? And to see all of them go out there and pitch the way that they did is really good to see, especially in high stakes games like this.
0: Yeah, because of the reduced schedule and stuff too, these games you do play in the division, they matter so much more. So, the fact that the Jays were able to play the Yankees and they were able to get the series win here does really help. We'll see them one more time in mid May and then not again till the end of September. So, it was very good to get that start here. Let's get into those pitchers a little bit here. And all three of them, Isaac, I thought were really good here. So, we started with Yusei Kikuchi, and I have his line here. It was six innings pitch, four hits, one earned run, two walks, three strikeouts. And I really liked how the Blue Jays got into New York the day early, and there were some photos being taken of you Yusei Kikuchi walking through Central Park, just going down, getting a stroll, just out in the middle of the public, getting some tosses in in Central Park and to clear his mind and to really get things going good. And he was really good today. And what I love the most from Yusei Kikuchi in this start is how he's getting a little animated and he's knowing he's good on the mound. He got a strikeout of Aaron judge and you see him turn around and he kind of clenched his fist in. He gave it like a nice little hell. Yeah. And that's, that's the positive emotion you just haven't seen from Yusei Kikuchi. And I think it does go a long way to developing a good mindset and to making him perform better on the mound. And, after his four starts this year, Isaac, 3-0, 380 ERA, and the Blue Jays have won every single game Yusei Kikuchi has started this year. So you got a thought on that?
1: Well, yeah, it, the big difference is that you could tell last year when he made like big strikeouts and stuff, it was almost a look of relief. Yes. Um, which is the big difference now. It's like just the excitement, like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm a great baseball player. Mm -hmm. And last year it was just like, I just want to be, I just want to do okay for the team. So I just don't get put in the bullpen. Um, And like there's comments like, like last year with Chapman saying like, no, like we really like this guy. We really want, want this guy on the team. And it's very clear that the teammates really like this guy. So it's even more special to see him do well because he'll come back to the dugout and everyone will be patting on the back. You know, like it's a different vibe this year with everybody Mm -hmm. on the team. The team seems a little bit more cohesive and together. There's not that like clicks that you always saw like Guriel, Teoscar, and Guerrero. Yeah, they were all there and they were they probably weren't they were talking in um, a different language. So like it's it seems like a little bit more cohesive group and it's really nice to see a guy like Kikuchi come out and like just be fired up because everyone's fired up for him.
0: Here's the quote that Yusei Kikuchi gave after that start. He said, quote, it's my fifth year, but this is probably since my very first year that I've been able to feel this good and this confident for Yusei Kikuchi. So I'm excited, man. Welcome to Kikuchi's Corner. Like I've been wearing my Kikuchi jersey with pride. I'll be wearing it again when I'm at the Rogers Center tomorrow. I'm very excited to see what this season has in store for Yusei Kikuchi. Isaac, you wanted there there are great pitching performances all around. Where do you want to go next, Manoa or Gosman? I want to go to Manoa because it was one Mm -hmm. thing that I
1: kind of regretted um, because I'm gonna look silly for being it now, but I regretted saying last in like your pick to click, uh, okay. little segment there. I wanted to say that Manoa was gonna go lights out this g- game, okay? Because I truly think that this guy's competitive nature. I am. I've said this on the show before. I'm all about mindset, yeah. and this guy's mindset is just like f anybody that doesn't believe in me because I'm gonna believe in me no matter what, mm-hmm. and. When he's going again, it's just like all the stars lined up for him to have an absolutely amazing start when he's basing a guy like Garrett Cole, which you know he wants to pitch better than. And he did pitch better than and went farther in the game and gave up less hits. But it was just like everything set up for him to have that amazing performance after the first few that he did not pitch very well. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see because I think he's the type of guy that's going to let this snowball into better and better and better starts. And I think we're going to start to see the Manoa we all expected from this point forward.
0: It's almost like Alec Manoa needed the motivation or a little adrenaline or something different to get him going because he had really struggled. And Garrett Cole probably had been one of the best pitchers in baseball to start the season. So it was really fun to see these guys go back and forth and battle. And looking into the numbers, Isaac, I thought it was really great. Like if you look at the overall line, Seven innings pitch, two hits, no earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts. But the velocity was back up a little bit for Alec Manoa, about half a mile per hour on all of his pitches and a whopping 1.5 mile per hour on his slider. And even my, in the first
1: inning, too. Even, even in, in the first, first inning. inning. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because we've seen Alec Manoa as low as like 89 miles per hour in the first inning. And like when he first started here, he was throwing 96, 97. But it was good to Mm. see him able to step it up there and to keep it there for most of the game. And the thing I was really impressed is, is his slider command was significantly better in this start. He wasn't throwing so many of those waist sliders where hitters could lay off of it right away and really ambush his two fastballs. He was putting them in a good spot that the hitters at least had to make a swing decision. And you can see when that pitch is there and it is working, how much better he is. Only two hits allowed. His exit velocity was down. Down on all of his numbers. Very good stuff from Alec Manoa. And I'm with you. I think this is a sign of things turning around for the big right hander.
1: Yeah. And it was also just, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the um, decisions by uh, Schneider and stuff going forward. You know, what, we won't touch on the negative stuff right now. Um, I'll actually, I'll, I'll, uh, like, that's another thing too is like on starts like this, you really want to put out an effort on the other side of the, um, on the offensive side right because it it sucks that he doesn't get the win because you you know like for a lot of baseball players like stats do matter as much as they say they don't Mm -hmm. like wins all matter especially because Manoa probably thinks that he's going to be a pitcher where he can contend with the absolute best all time in terms of wins and ERA and stuff like that so little things like that that do matter it's unfortunate that we couldn't hit with runnings and scoring position but I'm sure we'll get to that I want you to talk about your guy Kevin Gosman.
0: Yes, I was very excited to see this start today. Oh, man, it was awesome. He struck out the first three batters he faced. I think it was five of the first six guys he faced. And there were a few times he just made players look silly on that splitter. It is so fun to watch. And, you know, I've been watching enough Kevin Gosman starts now, too, where he will like literally lay that fastball in there at 92, 94. You know, sometimes he gets it up to 96, 97, but it looks really good right at the bottom of the zone or even sometimes literally over the heart of the plate. But because people are so respecting that splitter so much that they just swing underneath it. I think it was Oswaldo Cabrera had a pitch today where it was a fastball literally right down the pipe. He swung like about two feet underneath it because he was looking for the break on that slider. And that's what Kevin Gosman is doing really well. And this was a treat to watch, man. Honestly, he looked like he was in complete control the whole game here, and I really think the Cy Young season is in full force, especially a big appear outing like this coming off a division rival. He may have kind of what we saw last start where, hey, the man's not really there. Maybe the fastball does get hit a little bit, and he'll have one or two odd blowups. But I think the best is still coming for Kevin Gosman, and this was fantastic to see.
1: Yeah, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, but one of the reasons that he had a few bad starts last year was there was something about uh people picking up on if he was going to throw maybe like some uh stolen signs and stuff like that. Like in terms of if he was going to throw the splitter or the fastball mm-hmm. or picking up, there were a few games like that. So like, if he can clean that up and last year he was in contention for a Cy Young, then there's a no limit of what this guy could do. Cause it was like three starts in a row that that was the main reason that he was really like, there was a part of the midway last year that you were like, uh Oh, like, are we mm-hmm. having Orioles, Kevin Gosman coming back? But I I don't think that that is going to happen again, especially with his the faster delivery that he has to come with. It was really nice to see, but we both expected this. You know, like, we, we did. were, we we're, did. we're the, zero, the least worried about Kevin Gosman versus any of other, other pitchers.
0: It's just good to have that reassurance, right, after a bad start that he can come back and he can have a good one here. Um, let's get into, I guess, the negatives we can go into here. And there were a few things, and... Let's start with the decision to pull Manoa while we're kind of on the topic of our starting pitching here. And they did pull him after 85 pitches and it looked like Manoa was cruising into the eighth. It was still a scoreless game at that time. You know, we brought in Jimmy Garcia and I guess these two kind of go hand in hand. We can kind of combine them into one, but Jimmy Garcia did give up a single, then did give up a two run home run to Anthony Volpe there. And you know, I don't have Garcia's season numbers in front of me, but they're not good. I think his ERA is over six. Now his expected stats still look a lot better, but hindsight is twenty twenty, And you do want to pull Manoa with a good feeling, making him feel good. Cause you'd hate to see Manoa go in there to the eighth and then he gives up the hit and then the two run home run. And now he's feeling down on himself going in. I guess you can combine the two and one, Isaac. Do you have a thought on the decision to pull Manoa or Jimmy Garcia's performance in this series?
1: Um. I mean, I get what you're saying. that You want to keep his confidence high. Yeah. But he's going in against the end of the lineup. And the Yankees lineup, especially right now with some of their injuries, I mean, I believe uh, DJ LeMay, who was on the bench at that point, um, because he came in after on a pitch hit. Yeah, he mm-hmm. pinch hit in the last inning. Um, it's one of those things where, like, he's going to be facing, like, Cabrera and, like, at worst, like, Volpe, you know, like... Like, uh, like those guys. Yeah, I, I think... I think he probably, in hindsight, it's 2020. Yimmy comes in and he pitches awesome and we're not talking about it, but mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things where he's rolling like that, you give him a batter, you go batter by batter, right? Um, I wasn't the biggest fan because I don't know what's going on with uh, with Swanson, if he has like some type of, you know, injury that he's dealing with or any anything that Snyder is apprehensive about, but they haven't really used him that much, especially because he was supposed to be like almost a setup guy, expected to be for the Team and they bring in Yemi Garcia after he pitched the night before. Um It was just a little, little confusing for me, but uh, maybe they thought that because it's the end of the lineup that they could bring it. But that was just, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I was a little. I think that they should have left him in or brought in someone else out of the bullpen.
0: Yeah, they used Swanson today and they used him in Game One of this series, and I think he went three up, three down in both of them. So maybe just a day off for Eric Swanson, he did go twice in the Tampa series prior to that too. So I'm not so sure where would you rank Jimmy Garcia in the depth chart of the bullpen? Is he still like your number one setup guy or has he been passed by guys like Eric Swanson or maybe Zach pop or somebody else on this list?
1: Uh, I think Zach pop is a little premature to say that he's in the setup man, high leverage thing. I think you can raise his leverage as it goes, but um, no, I'm not confident in Yumi Garcia being a, a setup man. Um, didn't I, I remember in one of your previous episodes, you were talking about like this new stat, like stuff plus or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And he's like really up there yes, in the lead. His
0: fastball is very good in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. So I think you said it was like the second best pitch or something like that in all of baseball. I could it be thrown that I. I there was something about that but um I I just don't he has too many blow-ups to be like in a setup yeah you want to be almost as confident as when your closer comes in and right now I am not confident in Yumi Garcia I would like to see him be like in high leverage but not your second guy in the bullpen so for me he's probably number four right now
0: I can see that. I think maybe his next time in, you might want to get him like when you're down a bunch or maybe if you're up by six or seven runs, just to see if he can figure it out a little bit here. Uh, One hitter, I guess, that really kind of has disappointed us a little bit, and that is George Springer. He hit the double in game one of the series here, but he only went two for 14 in the series. And you mentioned before the show here that he is now hitting under 200 on the season. Now, we talked a little bit about George Springer was kind of our trendy pick to be kind of an underperformer so far this year, but he's supposed to be our third best hitter in this Lineup after Bo Bichette and after Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he just simply hasn't done that yet. So, is it too early to have the George Springer conversation? Do you think, hey, it's a slump in April? Once the weather heats up, he's going to get going, or are we genuinely concerned about the performance from George Springer here?
1: Uh, I think he's not a under 200 um, batting average. Like, no one goes off a cliff that much, right. especially after he was hurt last season and still b- batted better than he is now. So, I've and the question I think is how long can you have George Springer at the top of your lineup
0: yeah right now
1: I think that's more the question because I think he will rebound he'll probably finish the year at like a 250. um which is fine like that like we'll take that but like how many teams that do well have a leadoff guy that's batting 250.
0: yeah right
1: not- I think that's the question that we're gonna have to kind of face right now and and when that's what I'm gonna ask you Jesse like when do you consider taking him out of that spot and who do you replace him with
0: I don't think it's going to happen yet. I think he's still going to get another month-long leash or something. But I do think... You know, at some point this season, the Blue Jays are going to go through an offensive slump. And we're going to assume that maybe George Springer is part of that offensive slump. I really want to see if we do make a big lineup change. I want to put Bo Bichette in number one, just because his bat-to-ball skills are so strong. Get him more at-bats over the course of the season. If you're asking me to change the lineup right now, I'd probably put Vladimir Guerrero in the 2 hole. I'm a firm believer of put your best hitter in the 2 hole, give him more at-bats over the course of the season. And then I'm probably going Matt Chapman's probably our third best hitter right now, put him 3. Maybe there's where you put George Springer in the 4 spot and then probably go Varsho the lefty 5, but that's probably how I'd go about the top of the order. Just kind of move everyone up a peg. is probably what I'd do.
1: Yeah, and I mean looking at the lineup prior to today's game, I was like, this if this if this is your team walking into game 1, this is the lineup that you go with. Like that is a, in my opinion, the absolute perfect um, lineup that we could have gone with. Uh, so, you know, I think George Springer will get better. I think it's just a question now. Like he has so much, what wh- what would it be called? Just like, um, he's just been in that spot for so long and done so well. It, you're yeah, right. He's got it the will pedigree, right? Of, pedigree. That's the word I was looking for. It's yeah. going to take a lot for him to get displaced, But it is something that if he continues the bat like this, like it can't go on forever just based on what he was in the past.
0: There are some struggling signs, though, if you look at the season. Now, it's very early. Let's be real. It's only like 20 or so games into the season. But his walk rate has dipped to the lowest of his career. His strikeout rate has gone up from last year. His hard hit rate is now the lowest of his career. And some other stuff, too. His sweet spot percentage is below 30% for the first time in his career. And just now... He did still hit a ball very hard. So his max exit velocity is in the top 1% of the league when he hit a ball 115.9 miles per hour. So maybe just some more consistency out of George Springer is what we want to see. And uh, we'll hopefully see it more going forward. I have some other news and notes, Isaac, in this uh, thing. Matt Chapman looked like he finally cooled down a little bit this series. He went two for nine, two walks. He was due for a slowdown just because he was so damn hot to start the season. And two for nine still isn't really a bad series either. So let's keep an eye on that. Brandon Belt went deep for his first home run of the season. Still a long way to go for Brandon Belt after the huge slide he got on to start the year, but this was good to see. He also had four RBI, so it was good to see Brandon Belt contribute to a Blue Jays win. And I want to talk about Alejandro Kirk as well because his numbers are actually kind of creeping up a little bit. If you look at his slash line right now, he's hitting 261, 397, 343. One home run, but a WRC plus of 118. It would be really nice to see the power come back from Alejandro Kirk, but if this is the guy we get... I think we're going to be okay from this production out of the five or six spot in our lineup. So Isaac, do you have a thought on any of those three-player performances?
1: I'll quickly just touch on Kirk. The one thing that has concerned me a little bit is just... And I'm sure this is something that's easily fixable. He's still young, but like, there's been two pop-ups that he should have caught in the last few games um, that he just wasn't fundamental baseball. And those things will catch up to you if he's your starting catcher in the playoffs. Um, So that's one thing that I, I hope he... Shores up a little bit, but I mean he has been great defensively in other areas, better than we thought he would in terms of framing and uh throwing out runners. But it's just those little, I guess, just brain farts that he needs to clean up a little bit. Uh Brandon Belt, I still I I think he's a great guy off the bench and like starting every once in a while when you have a right-hander who throws a lot of um a lot of fastballs. Uh, but uh I think I've kind of given up on him being like the guy who's going to hit 25, 30 home runs and be like an almost everyday player in this lineup. Uh, And then who was the first guy that you mentioned there? Uh,
0: Matt Chapman, two for nine in the series.
1: And those two hits, I believe, were out out of uh, today's game. Today's game, yeah. Um, Yeah, so maybe he's going to heat up all over again as he's going to come into the White Sox series and go back to a 450 average guy.
0: That'd be nice. Matt (laughs) Chapman, contract year. Let's get an eight-war season out of him this year. Let's just keep on going and let's not slump. Some injury notes, Isaac. The Blue Jays have actually been quite healthy so far this year, but we did get struck with a little something here as Santiago Espinal got hit by a pitch in the right wrist this series. The X-rays came back negative, so there's no fracture but a contusion. So he's day-to-day as of now, but I think there may be a chance he does require an IL stint. If he does have to go on the IL, what are we doing? Is Whit Merrifield, the full-time second baseman or are the blue Jays still going to use him in that platoon outfield role? Are we going to give Kevin Biggio a run or are we going to call up a guy like Otto Lopez or Addison Barger to take his place? What do you think?
1: Well, Jesse, since you have the stats up there, I'm sure you don't know off the top of your head. If you don't mind while I talk, looking up Addison Barger's stats, cause you, that's, you know, that's where I'm going to go with it. Um, but, uh, Kevin Biggio is <laughs> I think I saw a tweet saying if his name last name wasn't Biggio he um would be you know? and I truly believe that's the case. When you come in and your starter has had an amazing performance and your momentum is going and then you pop up a bunt
0: that would well, that to move the runners. That hurt a lot, yes.
1: It it's just like, I mean <laughs> to know your leash is running short and you got it better than that so little things like that i'm not really okay with calcio being your backup like utility infielder i don't mind him if he's like your third guy if you have like a merrifield espinal and then biggio mm-hmm. but i would like to see them give a guy like addison barger a chance but with merrifield right now i'm, I'm okay with him starting every day in second just you also want him to give Uh, left fielder and center fielder is a day off every once in a while. So that's one of the things that uh, it would be nice to see um, an Alison Barger be doing well and come up.
0: I will say John Schneider did give Kevin Beggio some praise. He did make a very nice tag at second base there where he was kind of lying down, caught, made a tag. And John Schneider even said something like, I'm not giving up on you. I'm never going to give up on you. So (laughs) your manager is saying that about your player. He's going to be around still. He's going to get us at bats. Uh, you wanted to look up Addison Barger here in 16 games for the Buffalo Bisons right now. He's got one home run, five ribbies. He's hitting 230, but a 647 OPS. So he's not really tearing the cover off the baseball either. I think Otto Lopez would be the guy because we did already start his service time clock. He was up with the team a bit last year. Looked good in the World Baseball Classic for Team Canada. I think he might be the guy. And if he is the guy to come up, if Espinol needs an IL trip, he might actually get an extended run here. So let's see if that's the case. We got anything from him.
1: Okay, I just had such. Uh, I'm just looking at Barger with like, uh, just like why because oh, of what I think this guy could be. So it's unfortunate. And mm. that first home run was that not his first plate appearance here?
0: It was in his but first I game. Yes. Yeah.
1: I, okay, I thought it was the first inning of the first game on like the second pitch he faced or something like that. But um, let's hope he can turn. You're right. What, what's your thought, Jesse? Like, what do you what do you think of uh, Espino?
0: Espinal, I mean, he was struggled really hard to start the season. I, I kind of want to see him go on the IL a little bit just to mentally refresh, if anything, right? But the power, he's never going to be a 10 double digit home run guy. You know, the glove is fine. I think he's a better third baseman, actually, than a lot of us think. But the problem is with Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman, like Santiago Espinal isn't going to play that much. So I think he's fine. A good guy to have on the end of the bench. But I don't think the upside sky high. And you know how much I love my players with upside. That's why I want to see Addison Barger or Otto Lopez get some run here. Um, I want to move on to talk a little bit about some prospects because the minor leagues are in full swing now. And there are some interesting players making some notes here. And my guy, Nate Pearson, got his first professional save in Buffalo. He went, uh, he threw a 99.7 miles per hour fastball to seal the game. He has now faced 30 professional batters in Buffalo this year, and he struck out 15 of them, Isaac. If he had (laughs) enough innings to qualify, his 50% K rate would be the second highest in all of the minors. I'm going to say it, man. He's ready. Bring him up. I don't care if you have to cut like a Simber or a Richards who have both had their ups and downs this year. Like, just do it. He has nothing left to prove, as far as I'm concerned, in Buffalo. Get him on this big league team for this homestand.
1: And get him up here before he gets injured. Let's be real. Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if you can get, if he can come up and give you like those 30 innings that I know you're looking for. And then get injured. At least you get thirty innings of a guy that right. can throw hundred miles per hour. Because we don't have that right now. Oh, we're mano, but like that, oh, we don't have that right now. So yeah, get him up. We're you and me are both probably the biggest Pearson fans in all Still of the Nation. Yep. Haven't yeah, given up. So, <laughs> so we'll have to turn it around on that as time goes on.
0: I suppose so. Some other prospect notes. Yasver Zuleta made another start for Buffalo. I don't have his exact line here, but I know he struggled with the walks. He gave up a lot of hard hits, so his ERA is now over 6 for the Buffalo Bison. So... We'll need to see more of him get those walks under control and pound the strike zone more. And Adam Mako made his debut in the Blue Jays system. He was the prospect we got in the Teoscar hernandez Eric Swanson trade. He made his debut for the Blue Jays. He went four innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, sevens, Ks. I will say the strikeout numbers were quite good for the tall left-hander. This is a good start to build off in the Blue Jays system. And you know, even if he had a bad one or a perfect one, I don't know there's much takeaway, but good stuff for Adam Mako as his first start here.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so it's so funny like now that the Jays are so good and we expect such big things from them that like prospects are exciting but they're not as exciting as mm-hmm. it used to be cuz you know there was the era when um you know Justin Smoke was batting as our number one
0: yeah 2018 uh, hitter <laughs> so yeah.
1: and that's the time when we were like all the prospects it's like yeah, I would rather watch a Bison's game than um <laughs> than watching a Blue Jays game but now it's kind of like all of these guys, I'm like, that's great if they can come up in two years when we're going to have a little bit of, like, cap constraints and we're going to mm-hmm. need those guys that can come in and pitch. But for right now, just go. You guys chill. Tiedemann and Pearson will take you guys. And yep. maybe one of, like, a Hag and danner or something. like One of those guys can come up and pitch, pitch low leverage. Maybe, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm cool with But the rest of the guys, just chill. Do your thing down there. And uh, we'll see you when you're ready.
0: Yeah, or maybe we'll ship you off at the trade deadline to get us a good prospect back or a good player back. We will wait and see, but keep doing your thing there. With that being said, Isaac, the Blue Jays return home. We have a six-game homestand, and the first we welcome in the Chicago White Sox and our probable pitchers for this series, Chris Bassett against Lance Lynn in Game 1. Game 2, we'll have Jose Barrios against Mike Clevenger. Game 3 will be Yusei Kikuchi against Michael Kopech. What storylines are you watching for in this series? Do you have a pick to click? All that fun stuff. Maybe throw out a prediction. What do you got for us?
1: Well, we've had five straight really good starts from our starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see two out of our three continue that trend. I think one of these guys is going to f- fall back down to earth a little bit and maybe you, like regress. I hope, <laughs> I hope it's not any sleep, but like there is going to be one which is a little bit tough. You know, the, the White Sox do play, do have decent offense, so uh, I think Kikuchi is going to. I think of one guy that I'm sure of that's going to continue to play well, it's going to be Yusei Kikuchi. I'm a little more unsure about the other two. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm concerned still about Jose Brios. We talked uh, on our last episode after his last start, there were some positive signs. There were some things we like to see, but I'm not going to get fooled over one good start from Jose Brios. I want to see another one coming here. And the White Sox, you know, they've struggled, especially offensively to start this year, but they've got some players. They've got some good mashers. Like they will take their walk still and they can run into one every now and again. So. On paper, the Blue Jays are the better team. And on paper, playing at home, we should win two out of three against this series. But Michael Kopech, for example, has really struggled so far this year. But it could be kind of like Clark Schmidt today. He just all of a sudden finds it and clicks and puts together a good start. It wouldn't surprise me if the White Sox have a performance like that in one of these games here. And two out of three. My pick to click, I guess... I want to say Alejandro Kirk was my first instinct, but I'm yeah, going to go, let's get Dalton Varsho on a little bit of a heater here. He has struggled a little bit. He did hit a home run late in the in the last game here. Let's see if he can put together some extra base hits and have a good series here. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, Dalton Varsho, as I said earlier in the season, is I think he's going to turn into being my favorite. Jet. I I still have so much faith mm. in this guy, and I think it's just from looking at him and seeing like the exact body type of uh, Trout, um, even the same facial structure. Like that, really? And, honestly, <laughs> yeah. So I just I I think he also has a really good mindset, and he has like a good heritage coming down. Like his dad was the same type of ball player. Um, so you know, I I totally agree with that. I th- I'd like to see Varsho. Um, start to be at the start of the season, he was looking like he could be like a 300 hitter and then he's kind of regressed, but I would like mm-hmm. to see that back up and the strikeouts are still an issue. Other teams know that you can easily put in, um, you know, a left-handed pitcher against him, and he's yeah. not going to hit very well. So that's tough, but I would like to see him improve on that. But yeah, Dalton
0: he's been swinging through a lot of fastballs up too, which I would like to see him either lay off those pitches or find a way to foul those off. And if you can do that, I think he'd be in a better spot, but Isaac, that's all I got. I think good things for the Blue Jays here. I want to keep the momentum going. I want to have a winning homestand here. I want all that stuff out of the Toronto Blue Jays. Is there something else you want to add before we call our an episode here today?
1: I want to ask you a little trivia question.
0: I'm all ears. What you got?
1: Okay. I would like to see if you can name the top five Blue Jays and with pitchers strikeouts so far to start the season
0: Ooh, um... in order. See if you can do it in order. So that's this season, twenty twenty three. That's this season.
1: You're going to be able to do it in order because they're all starters. But okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know Kevin Gosman is leading all of Major League Baseball in strikeouts, so he would be number one. I want to go Yusei Kikuchi number two, and then I'm going to go Chris Bassett three, Barrios four, the Manoa five.
1: So Kevin Gosman has forty one strikeouts to lead. Mm-hmm the uh, next on the Jays is tie between Manoa and Barrios with um, 21. I
0: guess Manoa's had the innings there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you say Kikuchi with 20 and Bassett with 17.
0: I still think in terms of pure strikeout stuff on the Blue Jays rotation, I still think Kikuchi is the second best one on the team, but he had, because he led all spring training in strikeouts too, but he had his first start. He only had two strikeouts. This start, he only had three strikeouts. So I guess a few of those are holding him back, but uh, I bet those numbers get better as the season goes on.
1: I think so too. I liked your guys little hot take at the start saying that he might have the absolute best strikeout per innings rate in the entire major leagues and he might be up there. I I was surprised looking at this. That's why I asked because I thought Kikuchi would be higher, but I think mm-hmm. that can only raise and especially he's doing so well now. Let's have that raise it more.
0: It's going to be good. That'll do it for our episode here today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Isaac, thank you once again for joining us on the show. Feel free to come on anytime, honestly. Get you on here with Riley and stuff as well. Um, again, once again, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Please subscribe to the channel. Like the video on your way out if you haven't done so already. And we got a lot more stuff We're doing this twice a week as we get through the regular season and a big series coming up against the White Sox. Until next time, guys, we'll see you then. Thanks for watching and let's go, Blue Jays.
1: Let's go, Blue Jays.